Hi, this is Bob Bostock, and welcome to Discover DEP, the official podcast of the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection. Each week, we talk with DEP experts about how we protect and preserve New Jersey's air, water, land, and natural and historic resources. So that you'll never miss one of our podcasts, please subscribe to Discover DEP on iTunes or Google Play. You can also follow DEP on the web at nj.gov DEP. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy our podcast. Hi, this is Bob Bostock, and welcome to another edition of Discover DEP. Fishing is a popular pastime here in New Jersey, both in our many lakes and rivers, and also along our coast and in our bays. And of course, when you talk about coastal fishing, you can't talk about fish without mentioning the summer flounder, which is more commonly referred to as fluke. New Jersey is currently pursuing an agreement regarding our 2017 fishing regulations. Currently, New Jersey's regulations for summer flounder fishing are an 18-inch minimum size, a 104-day season, and a three-fish possession limit. To keep our recreational fishery strong, DEP is working with NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, to implement best practices to keep our summer flounder population strong well into the future. Now, to tell us more about summer flounder and its importance to New Jersey, as well as some background on what has been going on this year around summer flounder, we're joined today by Russ Allen and Al Ivany from DEP's Division of Fish and Wildlife. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you, Mr. Um, Beerbo. Russ, tell us a little bit about the summer flounder with respect to the regulations. There's been some kind of back and forth over the past several months about how the fishing for summer flounder this year is going to be regulated. Could you give us a little bit of background on how we've gotten to where we are and what's going on presently? Sure. It, it really goes back all the way to August of last year, which means we're coming up on that pretty quickly to do again this year. So you have to think about how things get done. It's Atlantic States Marine Fisheries Commission and the Mid-Atlantic Fisheries Management Council. And to keep it simple, we've been in this process since last August, and it really came to a head in, in May of this year when we were found out of compliance by ASMFC as we tried to get regulations that actually match the fish that we have and, and our resources that we have here in New Jersey, as well as being able to mandate what's done and, and how to get it done through fishery regulations. So we've been in this process working with NOAA throughout the process, making sure we can come up with some sort of regulation that makes sense. And we put that in effect back in May, as you well know. I think it's important uh, for our listeners to know that, you know, one of the main goals that DEP shares with NOAA and with, you know, the state and federal government all share is to make sure that we're conserving our fishery for the future. One of the things we definitely want to avoid is overfishing and depleting a fish stock to the point where there are none left in our waters or none left at all. So we worked through these bodies that you mentioned uh, and we're members of them to kind of come up with regulations that will achieve that goal. But they don't always come up with regulations that we think fit our particular situation here in New Jersey. Yeah, that's exactly true in this situation because we were being forced to move to a higher size limit at 19 inches when we were at 18 inches last year reduce the bag from five to three fish and continue with a 128 day season. And one of the things they've said before is, you know, keeping similar regs in certain areas is the best way to go. But we knew that that didn't really pertain to us this year. Only a minuscule amount of fish are actually 19 inches and above. And we know that most of those are female, so we're taking out broodstock. And we worked real hard through, you know, our, our people in, in the department and the Division of Fish and Wildlife to, to come up with regulations that match our fishery and to save the resource. One of the issues we really had was 
ASMFC was mandating us to discard more dead fish than we were actually taking home to harvest. And I can get more into that a little later. So discarding later. is if somebody catches a fish that is below the minimum size, they need to return it to the water. Yeah, I mean, one of the big things about summer flounder is you don't discard legal size fish. They are take them home and eat them fish. As everybody well knows, they are the, one of the best fish in, in the, in the, on the East Coast to take home and eat. So that's what people are looking for is keeper fish. And we know that you are going to discard a certain amount as you're trying to get those keeper fish. And as you move them higher and higher in size limit, you're discarding more dead fish. So we take a 10% discard mentality rate, add it to the, the, the mix in, in the stock assessment and everywhere else. And that's what we go by. And, and with that 10%, if we move to 19 inches, we realized that we were get, being mandated to discard more dead fish than harvest. Yeah, which is kind of counter to the whole goal of the entire thing, which is to... <laughs> kill as few fish as you possibly can while also providing the recreational fishing opportunity. Yeah, it's not a good way to manage a resource to throw it back for that purpose. Yeah, and I know because I've sat in on a number of the meetings, all of the data and analysis and everything that you and your team have done here at DP to come up with really solid numbers to support the position that we have taken. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's been it's been a fun ride, as you well know. Like you said, you were at the meetings, and we've done the best we can, and now it's in Noah's hands right now as to whether or not they're going to find us in compliance or out of compliance. And, you know, we may be having some more discussion down the road on how this all shakes out, but that's that's where we're headed right now. We're at our 18-3 and in 104-day season, and we'll have to see how it, it ends with Noah. Sure. And, Al, as you know so well, fishing for fluke in the summer in New Jersey is, is really part of the culture of this state. Yeah, it really is. It really is, Bob. And we're, um, you know, we're trying to get the word out. We have a, a major outreach plan to let folks know what they can do to help reduce discard mortality and fluke and to conserve this resource for the future. And we've entitled it, If You Can't Keep It, Save It. Well, this includes direct outreach to anglers uh, through the Saltwater Registry. We're going to be doing many news releases, Facebook posts, public service announcements, newspaper ads. And we also have great up-to-date information on our Fish and Wildlife website at njfishandwildlife.com. Just look for the fluke icon on the homepage, click on that, we have current information about what's going on. Our outreach plan also includes a really unique partnership with Eagle Claw Fishing Tackle, and they're donating, and we will be be distributing larger size hooks in the 5-aught to 7-aught category, larger hooks catch larger fish, reduce discard of fluke. And we're also going to be distributing cards that they're providing for us along with those hooks, which have great information on them. So we have a very significant outreach campaign going on. I want to get the word out, and folks should know out there that they can do a lot to help us with this campaign and, again, to conserve this resource for the future. And this is so important because when you catch a fish that's undersized, if you throw it back without really being uh, taking you know, some pretty common sense steps to make sure when you return it to the water that it, it can live, and grow. So next year when you go fishing, maybe it'll be at the right length and you can have that one for dinner. Throwing back fish that are just going to die doesn't make much sense. So Al, what what are some of the things that people can do when they catch an undersized fish to make sure when they do return it to the water that it has a chance to grow? Well, we have several best practices, uh, best practice tips that we're recommending to folks So when they're out there on the water. Uh, The first one is planning ahead. Plan ahead. Uh, Expect to release fish on your trip and have the necessary equipment to do so to protect their survival. Uh, use appropriate gear. Again, uh, use gear suited to the size of the fish you're trying to catch. Those larger size hooks are recommended uh, to ses- successfully land larger fish. And also handle fish carefully, like you said. Use knotless rubberized landing nets, rubberized gloves to avoid removing the protective slime layer on the fish and help ensure their survival when they're put back in the water. All of those tips will help dis- reduce discard mortality uh, in fluke and help conserve the fishery again for the future. 
Yeah, I think those handling tips are particularly important. I'm not sure probably most anglers know this, but someone who just maybe might go out on a party boat once a year may not be aware that the fish are covered with a protective slime. That's the only word to use, but I guess it's kind of a mucus-based thing. Is that correct? That is correct. That helps protect them in the water. What what sort of things does that slime protect them from when they're out in the water? I defer to my colleague <laughs> Russ on this one for a little more of the scientific <laughs> yeah, I, background. It's more of a disease thing too. You know, you're, you're so it's kind of a barrier yeah, for disease. Yeah, yeah, it keeps them in good shape, keeps their scales good, so they're not losing scales, drying out, things of that nature. You know, hard to say drying out in the water, but right. you understand the concept, and it keeps any problems that they have from really escalating so you know fluke are really slimy and if you ever fish for them they're really slimy and it's really hard to grab them so that's why these best practices come in real handy because if you're using you know wet gloves or rags or something it's so much easier to hold a fish that way and removing the hook if it if you have a fish that's undersized you're going to return to the water it's important that you do some certain best practices around that too right it's not always the the wisest thing depending on where the hook has taken hold to uh, try and remove the hook, is it, Al? No, you have to be very careful in removing the hook from the fish. The fish can get gut hooked. There are de-hooking tools out there that are available. We'll have information up on our website about those too. So again, best practices, uh, protect the fish, take care to put that fluke back in the water alive. And sometimes if the hook is too far into the fish, it's better just to cut the line and leave the hook inside, isn't it? That is correct. Uh, the hook should dissolve, depending on the material it's made out of. Uh, it should dissolve at some point in the future. So sometimes it is actually better just to cut it and to leave it. Yeah, that seems almost counterintuitive, but it's important for folks to remember it's better to leave the hook in there to dissolve than it is to take out vital organs of the fish in, in removing a hook. You're not doing them any favors. No. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about kind of the culture of, of fluke fishing in New Jersey. I think anybody who's spent any time down the shore along our 127 miles of coast and in all of our back bays, uh, you, you know, you can't drive along the waterfront without seeing signs for charter boats and party boats and people fishing in the surf. Fluke fishing is a pretty popular sport here in New Jersey. Yes, it is. And it's, you know, it's a tourism draw. And that's the biggest thing. If, you, if you're down here for, for the weekend, the week, whatever it may be, if you're, if you're hanging out on the beach, you're doing stuff, you see people fishing all the time. You, you throw your hook out, try to catch what you can catch. These guys know how to do things. You know, they, they really do their, their outreach and make sure that it's all over the place on different websites and find, you know, people can find out easy where to go and how to, how to go fishing. But the culture itself is fluke fishing is the summer fishery. There is nothing else that really hangs out all summer long on our Jersey beaches. Whether you're going out on the wrecks, whether you, wherever you may be, there's a chance to catch fluke. So, you know, it's a really important fishery for us, commercially and recreationally. And it, it's really important that we make sure that we keep that resource and sustain that resource for future. So that's why we try to build the regs as best we can. We, this outreach program is fantastic that the department came out with. And, and I think we're going to make real headway for future jumping into the fishery per se, for, for younger fishermen, you know, people who've never done it before, they're going to see this stuff and get really excited about moving forward. Yeah, I remember the first time uh, when we were down the shore, the first time we uh, took our kids out on a, on a boat, and the first time my son, who was probably around eight at the time, hooked a keeper. I mean, the smile on his face was from ear to ear. And uh, that's one of the great things about fishing for fluke is that uh, you can usually catch some when you go out there. Not always, no guarantees, but you can usually catch a keeper or two, and then you come home and cook them up and it's it's a great meal and that and that sense of satisfaction from kind of catching something that just an hour or two later appears on your dinner plate is is really something 
isn't it, Al? It really is, and it's it's interesting with this campaign because it's brought me back to my childhood uh, fishing with my grandfather and my father. You know, I spent a lot of time on the Jersey Shore fishing, surf fishing, and my grandfather had a boat. And this kind of activity gets passed along from generation to generation. And in order for that to happen, we have to make sure we conserve our resources. And uh, and again, this is something that everybody out there can uh, participate in and feel really good about. And uh, not only fluke, but all of our other fishery resources, you know, so we have them for the future and for our kids and our grandchildren to, to get out there and, and enjoy the same pastime that we did. Yeah, absolutely. Russ, tell us a little bit about the flounder. It's kind of a unique fish in terms of where it lives in, in the ocean and and some of the unique adaptation that it makes because of where it lives. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, flounder are very strange. You know, they, they, they're born just like other fish, you know, and th you think they're going to grow up to be like other fish. And all of a sudden their eyes migrate to one side, whether it's a right eye or a left eye, and they begin to be flat. And it's really different. So when you're looking at a flounder, you're really looking at a side of the fish. You're not looking at the top or bottom. It's really the side. So, you know, a Summer flounder is a left eye flounder, and a winter flounder is a right eye flounder. So they flip sides, and for whatever reason, they had to, to do this, you know, through through time, and, and and just as they morphed into something completely different. And you know, the difference between the two really is, you know, as, as a fisherman would say, if you needed to ask that question, just stick your finger in the mouth, and you'll know because <laughs> a fluke's going to bite your finger off, and you know, a winter flounder is not going to. Yeah. So, you know, the there's got to be a better way to figure that out. Without yeah, I think there's a better way, but that's, you know, that's a fisherman joke. So, and I don't want you telling all the jokes, so we don't, we'll, we'll go there. So, you know, it's, it's really interesting. They, they love to bury themselves a little bit in, in the sand and they can change color a little bit to, they love sandy substrates and they just wait for fish and crabs and shrimp and worms, whatever comes by, and then they're going to grab it and eat it. They are a voracious feeder. So that's why the eyes migrate, right? Because they yeah. kind of lie flat on the sandy bottom of the sea, and then they can use both eyes yep. to look and see what's traveling above them. And completely different catch. from what you're thinking about on on other fish, but yeah, they have they have they've morphed into an interesting creature. Yeah, through fascinating, time. fascinating. Al, the public service uh, outreach and education effort that is underway. The we have on the description of this podcast the links where people can go. Um, we've also got a link. In addition to the one you mentioned earlier, savefluke.nj.gov, where people can find all the information as well. And I would urge anyone who is going out fluke fishing, whether uh, surf casting or going out on a boat to do the fishing, ocean or bay, check out these websites. Be prepared when you go out there. Have Make sure you have the right equipment. Make sure you're aware of the right handling procedures so that uh, not only you can keep the keepers, but the ones that aren't keepers, you can discard them and you know, next year they may be big enough, come back, catch them, and you'll be able to keep them because it really is important to preserve the overall health of the, of the fishery. Sorry. Gentlemen, any last words before we conclude? I'll start off. I mean, I just, I, we've spent a lot of time working on fluke for the last really six to eight months, and I think we've put together regulations to preserve that resource, and I think we can make a sustainable resource out of out of fluke. I think we're there. And I just hope that Noah sees fit to, to find us in compliance as we move forward. And I, you know, the, the outreach program that we we brought up and and Al will touch on one last time is has been phenomenal. And we got some great feedback from other states and the feds on this. So it's going to be good. Yeah, Al, you mentioned the uh, the saltwater registry. We've got what close to 140,000 people on that yep, list alone about right? 140,000 yep yeah so exactly. a lot of outreach through every type of media radio ads are going to be running uh, we're going to have newspaper ads social media regular website uh, 
it's going to be very hard to avoid learning right. <laughs> more about this, Any anybody who's going to be down the shore this summer. That's right. And I guess I would just leave folks with, again, if you can't keep it, save it and uh, do your part to reduce the discard mortality fluke. You know, be part of the conservation effort. Well, that's great advice and advice that we should all follow. If you can't keep it, save it. Uh, be sure to visit the websites that are on the description of this podcast. And when you go out fishing this year, you know, we hope you all catch your three bag limit of 18 or more. It's some good eating and a lot of fun out on the water along our beautiful Jersey coast and uh, certainly in our back bays. So Russ Allen, Al Ivany, I want to thank both of you so much for taking time out of what I know is a very busy schedule to uh, share some of your thoughts on summer flounder and the efforts that we're making here at DP to ensure that all of our anglers can enjoy a great season as we not only participate in fishing, but also really conserving the fishery for the future. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to Discover DEP. If you have comments on the podcast or ideas for future podcast topics, please email us at podcast at dep.nj.gov. Enjoy the rest of your day.